You know, as Danny's leaving, this new series we're calling Things I Wish I'd Known. And Danny, one of the things you're going to wish you'd known is that you had not in your younger age sang that high and that loud. That's what you're going to wish you had done. Is he not incredible? Amen. Tell you what, we are beginning this brand new series. This is my first opportunity to speak in our new facility, and uh, it is just an amazing thing. You guys glad to be here in this new place? All right? We are too, and uh, as we begin this new series, you know, you, you think about these things, things that you wish you had figured out when you were younger. I don't know if you've figured some of those things out yet. Uh, if not, you're going to, when you're really, really old, things that you wish you'd known when you were old. Those are going to be the things that you, you wish you'd figured out. But we today are beginning this series, and, and I'm so excited about it because we are going to be going through the books of First and Second Timothy. Now, those two books, more than any other books in God's Word, since I was 13 years of age, when I knew that God was calling me into to, to ministry, these are books that I camped out in because they are letters from a guy named Paul to a guy named Timothy. And Paul was the older, more seasoned veteran in ministry. And Timothy was a young man who had spent a lot of time with Paul. And as Timothy understood what Paul was trying to get across, we are going to be talking through this series thinking about these issues. What would Paul say to a younger version of himself? And we believe that the books of 1 and 2 Timothy are like Paul taking Timothy and simply saying, listen, if I could have known anything in my life, these are the things, Timothy, that I want you to understand. And I poured over these books when I was young in ministry. And I'm here to tell you, I don't feel old in ministry. But to this year marks my 30th year in full-time Christian service. And I thought about that early this morning and really hadn't thought about that. But I still feel young. Matter of fact, I've told Jennifer many times that I think that I'm just as young as I've always been, and I can actually still do most of the things I've always done, but the problem is what? It takes a whole lot longer to recover from those things. And last Saturday, we flew in uh, back into the country from Honduras, and today I'm going to be able to share with you a little bit about what God did on that trip and what He's done in this whole ministry of we, as we have continued to work in Honduras. But it fits perfectly with what Paul is saying to Timothy and these things that I wish that I'd known. We don't, especially coming in this last, out of this last series called Monsters Under the Bed, we don't want you to fear things. But what we want you to do more than anything else is not only learn from mistakes, but learn from other people's mistakes as well, right? I used to always tell teenagers when I was a student pastor, listen, don't do the same stupid mistakes that your parents did. At least invent new ones, all right? At least do some things that are new for you, but don't still do the same things that they did. There's going to be something in this series every week for every single person. Whether you're a young person who used to pour over these books like I did when I was 13, 14, 15 years of age and early in to those ministry years, or whether you're an older, more mature, more seasoned veteran in your Christian faith, there are things that we need to learn from God's Word. And here we see in 2 Timothy is where we're going to begin today. We're going to look at the first eight verses of, of 2 Timothy. But I want you to understand what was happening here. 
This is Paul's last letter to the church. It was not just to Timothy, it was really to the whole church. It was for all of us. But this is his, what's called, as scholars talk, talk about it, it is Paul's swan song in ministry. It's the very last words that, he, that we have that he actually wrote. He is more than likely less than six months away from being killed, beheaded by the emperor Nero. Paul dies in 68 AD, we believe, 68 AD, and it was in May of 68 AD that Paul is, is, is killed by Nero. But in the fall of 67, he writes this letter to this young protege of his named Timothy. Timothy had discovered Paul in the town of Lystra, or Paul had discovered Timothy in Lystra, and they became quick friends, to the point that Paul took him on his second missionary journey all over Asia Minor. And then Paul deposits Timothy as the pastor of a new fledgling church that we all know about. It's the church of Ephesus. Now that is incredibly significant, because Ephesus was incredibly significant to Paul. It was this way to Paul because Paul spent three years of his life pouring his own life into the people of Ephesus. And Paul would not have given this church over to anyone unless it was someone whom he trusted. Probably the group of people that Paul had most invested his personal life and ministry in was this church at Ephesus. And he turns this church over to Timothy. And now he is telling Timothy, these are the things, Timothy, that I want you to remember. These are the things about yourself. These are the things about the body of Christ that I want you to remember. And I want us to glean everything we can from these books as we think about this. Timothy was a young man when all of this began for him. When Paul writes this, Timothy is probably in his mid to late 20s. He had accepted Christ when he was in his 20s, and it was in his 30s now that when Paul is getting ready to exit off the stage, that he is going to be taking this literal ministry baton from Paul. And I want you to think about this. This is an incredibly difficult time to be in ministry because not only had Jesus left this ministry to the, to the apostles, but now this first transition of leadership from Jesus to Paul and Peter and John, now it's being passed on to basically the third generation of the early church. And when you think about succession, sometimes you can make a great pass in that first leg of the, re of the relay, but that second pass is critical because sometimes you're giving it to runners who are not as seasoned as your first runner. And they may not be as seasoned as the runner that's going to come towards the end, which might be us, by the way. But this third leg of the race was a critical leg because now it's not just Jesus pouring himself into the apostles, but it's now, did the apostles catch everything that Jesus wanted them to understand? And how were they at passing it on to others? By the grace of God. We are here today, why? Because they pass it off effectively, amen? 
We are all part of the church of God today because effectively people have been passing this message on from one generation to the next, from that generation to the next, until it gets to us. And it's just as critical for us to be able to pass this new message that we received, maybe long ago or maybe just recently, that we pass it on to the next generation. That's why things like Camp Dad are so important for what we do here at EVC. Because we challenge men. Now, we've been made fun of. We've actually ticked off some ladies because of the way that we've challenged men. And ladies, I do not want you to misunderstand what we are saying when we say this. We go after men. And one of the reasons why we go after men is because if you reach a child, the child might have a faith for a while, and then it may burn that ember out after time. If you reach ladies, you will reach ladies and children. But if you reach men, you typically get the whole family. And men are the hardest nut to crack with this understanding of the gospel. Thank you, ladies, for shaking your hands, your heads. Yeah. Let me say that again, because I really like the response. Men are the hardest nuts to crack. There we go. I like that. There you go. But ladies, please understand me. We are not saying that we don't want to reach ladies. What we're saying is this. We know that it is critical for us to continue to reach children and ladies and men. But Camp Dad is important because we want our men to invest in their children and to pass this legacy of faith on like we see with Paul and Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Let me, let's read it. Let me read it for you and you follow along with me. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus. I have been set out and sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. And I am writing to you, Timothy, my dear son. We see we see the fatherly image of Paul to Timothy in this book. May God, the Father of Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace and mercy and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. How many of us would love to hear from people who've invested in our lives? Timothy, I thank God for you. Ronnie, I thank God for you. Jennifer, I thank God for you. Tony, I thank God for you. Those people that have invested in us and whom we are investing in, do not underestimate that word of blessing and encouragement where you speak it into li the lives of others. Do not underestimate the power of a positive word to people to simply say, I thank my God for you. And that's what Paul does. For Timothy, I can't imagine, as Timothy is martyred for his faith some 30 years after this moment, and he thinks about his mentor, I guarantee you, because the people in my life who mean the most to me, their words of encouragement echo in my head day after day. I've been with my family at her family reunion this week 
I nearly laid in bed last night with Jennifer in tears because I had my three aunts, my three, three of my four living aunts were here. They got to come to my house last night, and I told my wife, it is the closest I will ever have to having my mother again be here and show her love and thankfulness for me because those ladies have done that in my life. And it's like words from my mom, when Janetta, her closest sister, when she says things to me, when I talk to my Aunt Janetta, I hear my mother's voice. Thank you, Aunt Janetta, for being that for me and being that encouragement. And Paul is saying these words to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I thank God for you. And it echoes for the next 30 years of ministry in his heart. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, Timothy, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. Now we know that Timothy was at Ephesus, and the leaders of Ephesus meet Paul at the prison ship. And it says in the book of Acts that they are hovering over Paul and weeping over him because they know more than likely it's the last time they'll see him. And Timothy was one of those who was gathered there. And he says, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. But more than likely, they never see each other again. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. And this is what I remind you. To fan into flames the spiritual gift of God that he gave you when I laid my hands on you. And then this passage that Bart actually spoke on last week. In ending our series, Monsters Under the Bed, we actually begin with that same passage, bridging these two series, and it's this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul gives this charge to Timothy. Timothy, and here's the question we're really asking today. What are the things that I wish that I'd known Paul is giving to Timothy, Timothy, this is how you leave a lasting impact on the world. Paul is thinking about that. He sees his death very near in the future. And the last words that Paul gives to Timothy are the last words that Paul gives to us. And it's this, how do I use my life to make a lasting impact. For the last 30 years of ministry, on a typically a daily basis, I asked that question because there was a man named Stan Coleman who always asked me this in my very first job in ministry when I was 18 years of age. He said, men, talked to, to a couple of interns, uh, my college roommate and I, and he said, how are you going to leave the greatest lasting impact on this world. And this is the question that Paul asked of Timothy, and that's what we want to answer today. The very first thing I want you to know, Paul says to Timothy, invest in people. Amen? Invest in other people. Why? There are two things that are eternal. God's word will last forever. And the other thing that's eternal are people. 
We're all eternal. Sometimes we get this wrong. Sometimes we think only believers in Jesus Christ are eternal, and that is not true. Every living soul, every living person is eternal. The reason that question is so important is the question of destination. It is not are we eternal because we are. The question is where will we spend eternity. This is but a blip on the radar. And the question for us is this, if you and I do not invest in people, they are part of eternity. This building will not last. We've been telling you about it. We love it. We love that we're in it. We love that it is a great tool of ministry, but this building will not last. Bart and I have had this conversation many times that we know that this building will likely need to increase. We know that there will probably be other building phases. There may be a point in time in which Eagles View Church makes a whole nother relocation because this area is not big enough. Now, we don't think that's going to take place in our lifetime. But nevertheless, we've always said that'll be for those other pastors that have to deal with that. But we believe we're going to grow. But this building as beautiful as we think it is, will not last. I understand this because I allowed some of my young cousins, second cousins, to be in our rooms. And I thought this building was not going to last beyond my second cousins this weekend. But it did. But this building is temporary. This building is eternal. These buildings are eternal. The greatest impact that you and I can do is to invest our very lives in other people. And that is what God has called us to do. What Paul says to Timothy again, he says, Timothy, I thank God for you in verse 3. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, Timothy, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Why? Because Paul realizes the greatest thing that he can do is invest in Timothy. As I get older in ministry, as Bart gets older in ministry, as we look at Kyle and we look at Danny, we know, we we know when we look at Dustin and Kendra, we have younger people on our staff. Trust me, I used to be the young gun on staffs. I am not anymore. I still think I can do everything. I still think I can do all the outrunning people. And by the way, I outran Kyle Neiman just last year, all right? He challenged me, and I still outran him and beat him, all right? Thank you. Please continue to clap for that. I will not race him again, okay? That is over. Those days are over. But as we look at these guys, and we know that they're going to go beyond us in ministry, we want them to understand, and as we look at you, we know that you're going to go beyond us in ministry. We know that the biggest thing that we can do is not hoard this and do ministry all to ourselves, but to do what? To give it away. Because it has to go beyond us. It has to go beyond our personalities. It has to go beyond us as our lives because it has to go to the next generation and to the next and to the next if Jesus tarries. That's the reason why that although you may be uncomfortable with the loudness of the music or the contemporary nature of the songs and different things that may happen here in this building and even the contemporary nature of the building, why do we do that? Because we're not trying to reach those who are already here. We're continually trying to reach the next generation and the next young families. Because if we don't, we are one generation from totally from Christianity being wiped off the map. Take a look at Europe. 
where you see Europe today is where we will be. Wonderful churches, I'll never forget, 1993. We landed in Helsinki, Finland because we were on our way to Russia. And in Helsinki, Finland, we were there on a Sunday and we had multiple hour layover. And we went into some of the most beautiful cathedrals that held literally five to 6,000 people. And there were less than 10 people in the service that particular morning. That is the way of America if we do not continually reach the next generation. Amen? Do we commit ourselves anew and afresh as a church who will continue to reach the next generation, EVC? Amen? We must continually, just as these new members who joined us today, just as they said, this is what we're about as a church. When we extend God's kingdom, when we love God continually, when we connect with one another, we've got to continually refresh that message to the next generation or we're one generation from Christianity being wiped off the map of the world. It cannot fail us in this baton passage. I want to illustrate this message today of how we invest in people by helping you understand why we go to Honduras. In case you're new here at EVC, in case you've not heard the story, we want you to understand what the story is and why we continually go back to the same place. Our vision as a pastoral staff and leadership team is that we continue to build relationship and invest in people on every continent in the world. And we're currently on one and we're working to our second. But we're in North America and we're in Central America, but it's still part of this same continent that we are on. And we are continually desiring to invest our lives in others. In 2002, a man named Perry Lunsford, who will likely be in the next service, Perry went and he was with a ministry called Living Water and he began to drill water wells in Central America. And Perry did that for 10 years. And then he came to EVC. And he approached me and he said, I believe we need to go to Honduras and drill a water well. And I said, Perry, I think you're right. Let's develop. Let's get a team together to do that. Pat Howell was on that team. Jeremiah Harris was on that team. Pam Howell was on that team. And we went in 2012 and we drilled the very first water well in Honduras. But we understood then this was not our end goal. Our end goal was not just to drill a water well and to go from place to place and provide water. That is a great ministry, and we are so thankful that Living Water does that. But this trip for us was our first foot in the door to be able to build consistent relationships with people. And we discovered a place called La Pradera. And La Pradera was a village with a school that had no buildings. And we went to La Pradera, and we believed God that he would send us to a place. In Luke chapter 10, it's called the person of peace. And we went to La Pradera and we built a school for the next two subsequent years. We built building after building, or room after room, onto this school that had no rooms. And what were we doing while we did that? We were building relationships with teachers, with a principal who since that day has come to faith in Christ. And we found a church in the village of La Pradera because we wanted a sustainable influence that when we were gone, what was happening? Continually investment in people was being done by a local church. And we worked with a pastor there, a lady, a female pastor named Jacinia Ramirez. And Jacinia continued the work when we weren't there. She used our presence as the gringos to gather 
the people and to do the things. By the way, I am known as the loco gringo, and you're getting ready to see a video of why I am called that in Honduras. Is anyone surprised that I'm called that? Not one person is surprised, right? But we continually go back, why? Because we're investing in the same relationships time after time. And this year, we were able to go in and we built six, we were planning on going and building four homes. And to the glory of God, we were able to build six low-income homes for six six families that were there that live right around the church. And who's developing those relationships? Jacinia and Leovardo Ramirez and the church of La Pradera. Now, as we do that, why, why do we do that? We're going and we're investing in people because mission trip highs are not eternal. Mission trip, hey, I'm going to help out these people. Those questions, those feelings are not eternal. But the people in La Pradera, Honduras are eternal. Amen? And it, it makes a difference to impact, but they're not the only ones impacted. We are impacted because we get to see our gifts and abilities be used. We go back continually because God is already there and we are joining him in this work to invest in people. Watch this video. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain. Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfire, singing your name. God of
We invest in people. They're the ones that are eternal. I need to apologize to my wife now. <laughs> Babe, I've never actually seen me do the running man. As you've seen for all the 30 years of ministry. I'm looking for others who will join me in a running man stopping anonymous. And I promise you, after I've seen it, I will no longer do the running man. I'm lying. It's the only dance I know. And as we do that, as we invest in people, here's what God did. As we continue to invest in other people, go to this next, this first picture, Tim. This is, as we prayed as a team and we asked God, would you show us the church planter to begin a new church and a new work? In Honduras, as we partner with the current church we're working with. So see, we're not only investing in the church that, that God has given us, we're now asking them, would you help us start a new work in Honduras? This is, Jacinia is on the far right, and then this is Erling, the new pastor of the church that EBC will start in Honduras. Amen? Because it's not about us. It's about passing on to the next generation. Go to the next picture, Tim, if we, if we could. We also prayed as a team. And by the way, my team that was, this team that was assembled for this, they did a phenomenal job. We accomplished more in, in God's kingdom as far as volume of work than we've ever accomplished before. Because we prayed that God would give us our next place. And to the glory of God, what you see with that mountain in the distance, and it's not very far, it's actually closer than it looks, this will be the spot at which we build a kindergarten next year if you want to be a part of that trip. This is the property that we are going to build there. And here's the incredible thing about that. We thought we were going in to purchase property. That property was already owned by the kindergarten that we met the kindergarten teachers who said, we are so looking forward to you being with us next year. And who's going to work alongside us? The village, the village uh, men and women are going to work alongside us because God gave us this next, go to this next picture. This man's name, now I want you to see him. Is he shorter than me like everyone else in Honduras? The answer is no. This is the John Wayne of Honduras, I'm telling you. His name is Jesus. That's Jesus for all you gringos, okay? His name is Jesus Saldiva. Do you know what the name of the village where we're building this kindergarten is? Jesus Saldiva. This is the man who gave the property for the village. And here's what he said. Not only do we have a person of peace, if you'll go to Acts chapter 10, I told our team, I want you to read Acts chapter 10. Because in Acts chapter 10, what it talks about is this. It's not just about a person of peace. Acts chapter 10 is a man named Cornelius who was an influencer. He was, a, he was a captain of a legion of soldiers, 10,000 soldiers. And Jesus Saldiva is our Cornelius that had said this, we will have all the village men and all the village ladies, they will be here working beside you to build this kindergarten. You see, all we do is go in, they're building it, but what we provide is the energy, the love, and the reason to make it happen because we invest in people. My favorite understanding of investment was another clip I wanna show you. As we got to dedicate each of the six homes, these are two young men that worked beside us tirelessly. Trust me, what our team was doing in getting rest breaks, that's what we did about 90% of the time. 
because it's 98% humidity, it was 95 degrees, and we are not accustomed to it. But these two young men built their family's home. I want you to watch this. <laughs> you are men. A man works to build a house to keep his brothers and sisters, mother and father, safe. Now as you live your lives, live in such a way to give our God thanks. Who has made all this possible? You are good men. Yes! That is Jesus, or excuse me, that is Christian and Victor. And you see the opportunity to challenge young men to step up in a generation where gang violence is taking over their village and to look them in the eye and say, we came so that you would take the next step, so that you would feel invested in. And what you couldn't see was that young man who had worked tirelessly all week and worked us all into the dirt. He had tears streaming down his face because he knew somebody other than his mother and father cared about him and that is why we invest in people amen that's what this is all about the second thing that we do the second thing we do is that we honor our heritage or we begin a heritage that can be honored i want you to think about that statement what we are called to do is to honor those who have gone before us. We are to honor our heritage, or we are to begin a heritage that can be honored. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois, and now your mother Eunice. And I know, Paul says to Timothy, that this same faith continues in you. What Paul says to, to Timothy is honor those who have gone before you. Honor your heritage. But I know without a doubt that there are many of you here today that you wish that you had had a godly heritage. But you're the first in a generation who has come to know Christ. You're the first in a generation, and you wish that you had godly parents. You wish that you had had godly grandparents. And maybe you would have come to faith at an earlier age. Many of the folks who are here at EVC come to faith in Christ as adults. And I know you, many of you wish you had that godly heritage. But it's up to you to begin a godly heritage that can be honored. Do not feel sad that maybe you do not have the heritage of Timothy. But you can begin a new heritage. You can begin a new statement of faith. You can begin to pass this on to further generations behind you. And it's critical that we do. I had the incredible privilege of living this passage. I got to go one generation previous to Timothy. Because I had a godly great-grandmother. Her name was Bernice Simpson. 
Bernice actually led my mother to the Lord. But I had a godly great-grandmother who lived her faith out in front of me and who told me, Randy, always read God's Word. And when you get to the point of genealogies and you're tempted to skip through Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, when you're tempted, how many of you have skipped those genealogies? Be honest, okay? The rest of you are liars, okay? But she would say, do not skip the genealogies. And every time I get to a genealogy and I want to skip all the names, I read them because of this godly great-grandmother. Why? She wanted to show me from generation to generation to generation to generation why it's so important as she was passing this on to not only my mother whom she led to the Lord, but also to me. I had a godly grandmother. We celebrated her yesterday at this family reunion that I was a part of. We celebrated her by this because I, I heard stories yesterday that I'd never known. You see, my grandparents were harvesters in West Texas. I had always known them to be at the early years of their marriage and even later in their lives to not have a great deal of money. And especially in those early years, living through the Dust Bowl in West Texas to have very, very little. But what I discovered yesterday that even what I would have called poverty, my grandmother bought school clothes for her nieces and nephews every summer. And I had families that told me yesterday, families that were of 13 children, okay? When they said that they had 13 children, Allison's eyes got as big as silver dollars. She's like, you've got to be kidding me, right? But she would buy school clothes for those families, out of her little, she gave much. I had a godly grandmother. I had a godly mother who taught in preschool behind the scenes. She was not a loud mouth like me. She taught behind the scenes for 30 plus years in a two and three year old classroom and built into the lives of children. Workers, volunteers in our preschool ministry. You are vital to the link of the understanding of faith. It is through you that our kids first see a picture of Jesus Christ. And my mother was that. And I could stop there with this godly heritage. But I am so thankful that this has gone on beyond me because my two daughters are just as passionate, if not more, about the world as I am. Kara will go this year to Chile. She went to Israel last year, and she'll be investing in children in Chile. Allison hopes to go to India this year. But more important than mission trips, my two daughters invest in families and in people. Kara works with young pregnant moms. Allison works to rid people out of the sex trafficking industry. As college students, I see their passion for God continuing to build. And why do I say that to you? Not to brag about them. Well, a little bit to brag about them. But to tell you this, we're not always guaranteed that the godly heritage will continue forward. And I am thankful to be one who sees it behind me and sees it in front of me passed on. We invest in people, but we honor our heritage, or we begin a heritage that can be honored. It may not be true of your past, but it can be true of your future. 
And I want to encourage you as moms and dads, dads for things like Camp Dad, to be able to invest, to go further, to go to the next step of where this is for your family. Listen to 2 Timothy 3.14. It says, Timothy, later, Paul says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught, Timothy, the Holy Scriptures from your childhood. And who was that? His godly mother, Eunice, and his godly great-mother, great-grandmother, Lois. From your childhood, you've learned this, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Honor your heritage or create a heritage that can be honored. The final thing I want to share with you is simply this. We must use what God has given you to magnify his glory. We need to use whatever we've been given. Now, on this screen earlier, you saw people who went on this trip. Do you think any one of them were really gifted at laying concrete blocks? I can tell you, they were not. They were not gifted at that. We did get to do a little bit of electrical work or pre-electrical work. And Jeremiah Harris is incredibly gifted at that. And he was able to actually use some of his giftedness in doing that. But the rest of us were simply there and available. So don't think that you have to have a specific skill to be used by God in Honduras or here or here. But whatever skill or thing that you have, it is vital that you use what God has given you. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, above all, use what you have been given. Timothy, you have some unique skills and ability that if you do not use them, people will go unreached. And it is our responsibility to use the gifts that God has given you. Do you remember that time in your life, that one defining moment as a child, when you think back to the story and you think, if you had not, or if you had done this, or if your children did this, they would surely have died. Do you remember those elements, those things that you did as a child that you wonder if you should have survived it? Okay, how many of you remember those things, okay? I want to tell you about one of those stories for me because it comes about this passage. It says what Paul says. This is why I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given you. I remember as a child, I used to run around with two of my cousins. One cousin was named Michael. Michael was the same age as I was. But we had an older cousin, a girl. Her name was Polly. And Polly was mean. She's sitting here today. (laughs) Polly bossed Michael and I around. And what do you think Michael and I did? Whatever Polly told us to do. (laughs) Because she would hurt us. She was from West Texas. She was rough and tough. She would hurt us if we didn't do what Polly said. And Polly, on one particular occasion, convinced Michael and I all we did was what she told us to do to go into our grandmother's backyard to this bush that she had that was green on the outside but hollow in the middle. And she convinced us to get eggs and bacon and we started a fire in the middle of that bush. And Polly convinced us to fan in the flame a fire in the middle of that bush. It was all Polly's fault that she did this. And she is responsible to this day for what happened after that and that might have been a whipping for me. 
you would understand Polly if you knew her because she is the louder female version of me, okay? That is who she is. Some of you are shocked that there could be a louder version of me, but that is who my cousin is. But what Paul says to Timothy is fan into flame, Timothy. Let the air flow upon this gift of yours. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, God has given each of you a gift from a great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring great glory to God through Jesus Christ. Folks, we need to use what God has given us. Now, some of that we could talk about today about spiritual giftings. We could talk about what spiritual giftings are, and and we should. But this isn't a message about your spiritual gifting or whether you have gifts or what the strengths and weaknesses of your gifts are or why there are at least four different places in Scripture and none of those places have the same spiritual gift list and why that is or why it's not. Here's the most important thing. Are you obedient to what God has given you? Are you obedient to the personality that he's given you? Are you obedient to see and use the family God has given you? Are you obedient to go when God tells you to go? To go left when he tells you to go left? To go right when he tells you to go right? Are you listening to what God is saying? And are you using the giftedness and the networking and the things that God has given you for his glory? What Paul says to Timothy is, Timothy, you are uniquely you. And use what God gave you by the spiritual laying on of my hands. So what God says to us today is simply this. Invest in people. Honor the heritage that you have. Or begin a new heritage. And use what God has given you. Would you pray with me? I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about... What is it that God has given you? And how do you need to use this giftedness? I want you to think about your heritage. And does God want you to use that? In what way does he want you to use it? I want you to think about who is it that I'm investing in? Would you get their, would you get their faces in their, your mind right now? How are you this week going to invest in that person that's in your mind right now? You see their face. What word of blessing are you going to speak into their heart? Who are you going to lift up? Maybe you need lifted up today. Let me speak into your heart right now. You are a child of God. You are loved by Jesus Christ. Your life was so important that he died for you. He could not have given more to you. You are a child of his. Father, may you be glorified by the giftedness that you've placed in your people. May we listen to your heart today. May may we invest in others. May we honor those who've gone before us and honor those who go behind us. May you be glorified and may we express your love.
to this world who needs to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Let's declare this love that Christ has for us today.